This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Welcome to a, a special edition of the Mormon Expression Podcast. I'm your uh, temporary guest host, Tom, with, of course, we have George from the panel. Hi, everybody, and good day. And then we have our special guest, Dave. Hello? Dave, uh, Dave is a moderator from the, from the NOM site, which is the New Order Mormon site, and the goal for today's podcast is we want to talk about the mindset of cafeteria Mormon and what goes into that. So we could think of no better person than to have Dave, otherwise known as Dathon, on the NewOrderMormon.org website. And Dave, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your history and your background and, and maybe a brief description of what the, the New Order Mormon site is and what a New Order Mormon is. Uh, okay, well, uh, my background, I was... Uh Born in uh, to a, I guess, a part member family in one sense, and uh, uh, my father was not a member of the church when he met my mother. He did offer to convert, but uh, that was back in the 50s at BYU, and there was a bishop who said, uh, counseled him that uh, if he didn't really believe, it would probably better be better for him not to join the church just to please my mother, which I think is a more unusual attitude these days. Um, and I, my parents split when I was quite young, so I was raised by maternal grandparents, one of whom was deeply religious and devout in uh, Mormonism. The other, my grandfather had actually uh, essentially joined the church to uh, marry my grandmother because she uh, wasn't going to marry someone outside the church. And so uh, one could say I was raised by uh, a couple, one of whom was a devout, more or less true-believing Mormon, and the other was what I would characterize as a uh, a skeptic, uh, New Order or Open Mormon. He uh, he valued the community, saw much good in the community and faith, but he was somewhat skeptical of the, the details of church history and some doctrine and dogma. I grew up, uh, I was trained, indoctrinated in the normal way. It was very uh, committed to the church. We was a big part of our family. Um, I went through the, the youth program. I was in leadership roles in all of my Aaronic priesthood quorums. And uh, when I was entering college, I had a lot of different options, and my seminary teacher and grandmother made very sure that I would go to uh, Brigham Young. As a matter of fact, I, I ended up being accepted on a scholarship without having formally applied, which was interesting. And I guess over years, having been raised in part as a rationalist and taught to question things, um, I, I started to build a dichotomy in that I felt the gospel could be true, but the church was not true in the sense most people use. It was true as a community that supported each other, but I felt there was a lot of uh, eccentricity and 
fundamentalist zeal embodied uh, among some of the members, which I felt was just natural human nature. So I, I built in my own mind a distinction between the gospel and the church, which I think a fair number of people go through at different stages in their lives. And I guess it was uh, the mid... 90s before I had a, a serious crisis of faith and uh, began to really doubt. Did you uh, serve a mission, Dave? Yes, I served a full-time mission on uh, in the mid-70s, uh, a Navajo-speaking mission. Um, and, and that was, uh, I guess, another area where I felt that uh, there was a definite trend of indoctrination and excess zeal. Um, I, I was in an area where there were uh, a lot of volcanic dikes, and many of my colleagues felt that and spoke of uh, these volcanic dikes as being Nephite walls. They, they projected uh, the stories of the Book of Mormon onto the geography and made the geography fit their preconceived notions about Book of Mormon stories and I found that somewhat disturbing or disquieting. It caused a lot of cognitive dissonance because uh, I looked at these things and said, those are volcanic intrusive dikes and the, the weathering is, gives the effect of uh, it being stone walls. But I, they clearly weren't to me, but they clearly were stone walls to several of my companions and colleagues in the mission field. Interesting. Uh, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask. So, in the mid '90s, is when you started to uh, have some serious doubts or have your own crisis of faith. You say? Well, I, I would say that in the in the mission field, when I saw my colleagues saying, "Oh, this is evidence of the Book of Mormon," and I was saying, "No, it's not," uh, I, I, that really caused a lot of cognitive dissonance that people would project stories or evidence on and I that's maybe where I became interested in the psychology of belief but it was uh, I was able to suppress that and they there's not a whole lot of room for uh, pondering your doubts in the mission field without uh, some serious consequences right it was really in the the mid 90s when one could say the the cracks really developed because we had moved my wife. I, I married my wife in the early 80s. Um, we had we have five children together, and we moved um, from Utah to the Midwest during the mid-90s so I could go back to grad school to work on a doctorate. And uh, it was during that time when I was taking some courses in cognitive psychology that I began to read about um, cults and the effect of excess zeal, how belief becomes one's reality. And uh, I remember there was a day in a class on cognitive engineering, and I had been reading outside the class, and I encountered something that, that detailed the traits of a cult and it wasn't even talking about religious cults and uh, for each of the bulleted items I, I recognized them in 
my own LDS culture and uh, had sort of an epiphany. And that's when I started to really say I need to look at church culture, doctrine, policy, practice, and history a little more objectively. I think um, I think a lot of people, when they encounter cognitive dissonance, go into a phase of sort of frenzied study. And uh, that was when I hit my phase of frenzied study, trying to get as much information as I could. Um, and I really can't say whether it was to confirm my doubts or shore up my testimony. So, I felt I needed to know more. So it wasn't any particular topic necessarily. It was more of the culture and the surroundings of the of the LDS church than rather than, like, say, the book Abraham or the Mount Middle Massacre or something like that? Uh, no, I had actually... Uh, the, uh, the, I didn't think much about the book of Abraham. I actually remember when the... Papyrus was found. I was a kid in elementary school, and I remember my grandmother talking about, oh, they found the papyrus, and this is going to vindicate and validate Joseph, and it's going to bring millions of people to the church. And uh, I remember that when I was in elementary school being my actual first realization that we had scripture outside of the Book of Mormon and the Bible. Um. And at BYU, I saw some of the displays in the Joseph Smith building, but it, it, I never really got in, into it much. Uh, I heard about the Mountain Meadows Massacre when I was in seminary. Um, and, of course, it was painted as uh, a, a defensive action that the, the people in the wagon train were clearly former mobbers of the saints and in other places. Um, so for me, uh, I, I think part of it was the group think and, uh, the pressure to believe and obey authority without question that really sort of rubbed me the wrong way for several years. That was kind of your tipping point, huh? Yeah. And the tipping point came in this, the cognitive psychology course, um, when I, I, that's actually, it was after that when I was doing my research that I came across the more complete story of the Book of Abraham and the Kinderhook plates. And, um, you know, I, I read In Sacred Loneliness and Mormon Polygamy and learned for the first time about polyandry and Brigham Young's co opting of some of uh, Joseph's polygamous wives, including taking Henry Jacob's wife. And, you know, it just, the more I studied, the, the more painful it became to me, the, the greater the problems that mounted up. And, and I could not resolve the disparate accounts and, and the fact that many of the accounts, the, the I, I would say the abridged accounts I got as a high school and college student were uh, not confirmed by other sources. This This leads us up to, I think, where... We're wanting to talk about this uh, this whole category of of Mormons, this New Order Mormons, and or I guess as people, some people could call them cafeteria Mormons, where they they kind of believe in some things and not believe in others. Um, well, Dave, why don't you give us a little bit of background on the the coming forth of the New Order Mormon site and why why 
why they call themselves that and why there is such a thing. Okay. Um, well, as I said, I, I was undergoing a, a serious crisis of faith, and that would have been in the autumn of 1999. Um, and I, I really didn't know what to do. My wife is was and is a, a devout believer, though somewhat of a liberal believer. Um, she takes some things metaphorically, but she was uh, quite alarmed by my growing concerns and skepticism. Uh, I had no place that I felt I could turn. I, I, For people who have gone through a period of doubt, they probably understand that you can't exactly talk to your bishop about it. Um, you have to be very circumspect or uh, one becomes... Uh, how can I say it? Uh, um, an item of concern, a target for reactivation. Yeah. yeah. During that time, um, Dave, did you ever actually approach a bishop or a ward member or um, anybody like that with these concerns? Uh, I did, and uh, it was interesting. Uh, some people that I knew who were engaged in fields related to science um, simply did not respond. They said they were uncomfortable talking about it, or if I sent uh, an email or left a voice message, I got no response. Um, some people, a couple people, said, "Oh yeah, there there are reasons to doubt, but it's a good it's a good program. They're good people, so we just kind of go along." Um, and and that was heartening. Um, to some extent, when I met people who would say, well, yeah, it's not really the one true church, but it's good enough. Um, and uh, so I, I turned to the Internet, and one of the first places I stumbled onto was uh, the ex-Mormon forums at uh, Recovery for Mormonism. Oh, great. The Holy of Holies, yeah. Yeah, and, and I frankly was not ready for that. Well, in a sense I was ready, but um, for someone who is struggling with uh, how to weigh doubt and belief and belonging, since uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that people, human beings, are social organisms, and there's, there's a deep need to belong to a group. I think that is the overwhelming motivation for many different kinds of groups, tribes, affinity communities, religious faith communities. Um, and what I found at uh, RFM, I found one thing was, okay, there are other people out there who have doubts. But the thing that put me off was there are a lot of people who have allowed their doubt to make them very bitter, and I saw a lot of posts uh, belittling believers, uh, attributing malice and evil to all members of the church, essentially. If they weren't in on some conspiracy, they must surely be idiots. And uh, you know, my whole life experience, I, I, I've met some strange believers in just about every faith I've encountered. But the majority of members of the church, you know, we, you're talking about a great many people in my extended family, people who are my friends and mentors. It just didn't 
helped me much to to take the point of view that the church is entirely evil and anyone who believes is either a dupe or a, a, a minion. So you so you never subscribed to the whole uh, angry period where you got really angry and vicious towards the church? Because I think most people, when they go through this kind of stuff, they they fall into that category, yeah, where they go to RFM and they start, you know, unleashing a lot of that anger and emotion towards the church or even some of the believers. But you didn't subscribe to that, huh, Dave? Um, intellectually, no. I still, even today, um, I think I'm at the tail end. I, I have some occasional, what I'll call flashbacks. I, I was angry um, at what I saw as being misled, being deceived, but I was able to rather quickly come to the conclusion that um, I was not deceived intentionally by anyone. Most of the people I encountered, including my family members who had converted, some of them converted generations ago, you know, um, were in it because they earnestly believed it was the correct or a correct path for serving God and serving your fellow beings. That they, they found value and solace. And I saw and I still see a lot of good. I see I see a lot of earnest, humble, decent human beings engaged in what they believe is a community that advances the greater good for many people. So I couldn't I, I couldn't cope with uh, the RFM board much more than at the time. Now, this was uh, late 90s, early 2000. And at the time, I felt there were more people there who were just blatantly hostile. And I considered it almost a symmetric error to the people who were unquestioning in their belief and fanatically obedient and zealous for getting doubters out of the church or bringing them back. When uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said it's either completely true, it's either the greatest, the, the true restoration, or it's an absolute fraud, I don't buy that. I think that's a false dichotomy. Yeah, um, it's this black and white mentality that says if, there, if there's one of two ways, they're one of the two. And... Uh, Although I need to say about recovery for Mormonism, the RFM forum, I met some of the most wonderful people um, who helped me immeasurably. Uh, one of the things I said, I, I you know, sort of uh, spared my soul there because it was the first place I found and said, look, here I am. Uh, I was raised in the church. I had this deep belief, and then I've discovered the historical problems, the cultural problems, uh, and I'm in a state of dissonance and disbelief, married to a beautiful, good woman who is devout. I'm afraid she'll leave me if I uh, tell her how I feel, because I'd seen it happen. And uh, I, I said, what should I do? And someone on the forum responded with, love her. That's cool. That's a great response. Um, and that was, you know, my experience. At, and as I said, there were, there were a lot of good people at RFM um, among the people who were 
very bitter. And I, I understand the anger and the bitterness. I just don't think it gets anyone any place. So you didn't, so you didn't like the whole black and white thinking. So you decided to take a different route, which is, which this route is what I think we're talking about. This cafeteria Mormon, New Order Mormon site and thinking, um, which, which actually is, is a tough road, right? It's a middle road, which, which a lot, really not a lot of people subscribe to. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I, it's probably, it, well, it may be a minority viewpoint. It's very difficult to gauge who is at, at what level or point with respect to their relationship with the church and the uh, Mormon community. Um, it was at RFM where I encountered a poster who went by the name of LDS Man, and his uh, whole reason for being there, he would post occasionally and say, you know, there is another way to deal with the church. And uh, he was proposing, uh, rather than reviling and, and responding with anger and hate, saying, um, it's not a bad thing per se. There are a lot of good people, but it's it's somewhat fanatical. And if you can step outside of the fanaticism and work with it, I think his main premise at the time was don't break up your family out of anger toward an institution. And he was not getting a lot of positive response at RFM, but uh, a few of us became very intrigued and started to correspond with him. And that became the genesis. He actually started uh, the, the web page called New Order Mormons. And much of, uh, much of our current web page at newordermormon.org is uh, based on the material he put down uh, with the concept of being a buffet or cafeteria Mormon. His premise, he had actually um, left the church over the issue of polygamy and polyandry and some other historical issues. He and his wife resigned from the church, but they lived in the Intermountain West. And uh, he said within a few years, it became clear that the church was a huge part of their social environment and their children were being stigmatized as the children of apostates. And uh, he also recognized that in terms of a social support network, most of the members in his area were very, very good about helping other people, including non-members, but they were obviously geared more closely toward helping each other within the Mormon community. And uh, he and his wife actually decided to re-enter the church um, for the sake of their children. And uh, he entered the church as a, uh, a faithful unbeliever. He was skeptical of the doctrinal claims, but he supported the positive social aspects. And... Uh, he had this web page, but he did not have a discussion board. So uh, a few of us who were like-minded uh, worked to persuade him 
to uh, open a discussion board, and that was the genesis of the New Order Mormons uh, bulletin board. What year? What year was that, Dave? Uh, that was in two thousand one. So it's been going. It's been going fairly strong. Or what was your initial numbers, and how many people did you have during the first year? We started fairly small, but it grew fairly rapidly. Although, um, it the the number of active participants fluctuates um, and has always fluctuated, although it's been relatively steady. Uh, I would say there are a hundred or so, maybe between one and two hundred that are relatively consistent, and then there are a number of lurkers and um, the, the, the situation is that it's very difficult. You know, we talk. I talk about a middle path. The bulletin board the, and web page talk about a middle path, but it's more like a tightrope in some respect because uh, for a, a great many people, the dissonance is great um, for them as individuals. The cost-benefit analysis of being a member is uh, skewed toward walking away, either resigning or simply fading into complete inactivity. You know, that's that's a pretty heavy criticism, what you're saying, that uh, this cog- cognitive dissonance that you have to deal with when you don't believe all of it or you, do, or you believe in most of it. When you're a cafeteria or New Order Mormon type, you have to, yeah, you have to type, walk on that tightrope of sorts. But my question is, is because I think um, with most um, ex-Mormons that have gone through their issues and either left, they they kind of view um, cafeteria Mormons or New Order Mormons as uh, hypocrites, um, as feeding the monster, you know. And, and how do you guys how do you guys deal with that sort of thing? So you want to uh, respond respond to that? Well, yeah, um, it's 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 a, it can be, I suppose, a legitimate criticism. Um, you know, being in the middle. You take shots from either side. Uh, devout chapel Mormons, or what we sometimes refer to as true believing Mormons, some color uh, the cafeteria Mormons, New Order Mormons, Sunstone Mormons as wolves in sheep's clothing or less valiant, uh, a danger to the body of the church, and the uh, those who are completely out, as you mentioned view us as uh, sissies or cowards. Um, my friend who, who started the board pointed out that integrity can mean a lot of things. And for him, integrity included holding your family together. And if, if it takes going along to keep your spouse and children from feeling afraid of you or alienated or threatened by your disbelief, that the integrity of the of the uh, nuclear family trump a lot of other forms of integrity and uh, I think I have to go along with that myself although you know I can see taking another stance I think that uh, there is no one single way that works for everyone I see happy and productive, believing members, um, both in Mormonism and in other faiths. 
I see people who have left Mormonism or left other faiths and become agnostic or humanists or join another faith who seem equally happy, content, satisfied, and fulfilled. So um, for me, I guess it, it comes down to a matter of where do does the individual find belonging, meaning, and contentment? Um, and, and in the end, it doesn't really matter what other people think. You, you've seen a lot of people come and go, I'm sure, because you've been around since pretty much the the uh, creation I, of this website. Is that correct? I, I was the second person to register on the board, and the first person has since passed away. So I guess I've seen uh, a lot of it. And uh, yeah, people come, people go. Um, there are a couple of schism boards, communities that grew out of people at New Order Mormon who felt they needed more uh, more freedom to speak uh, more frankly in their thought processes about the church. At New Order Mormons, we require that people be civil. It's not a place to badmouth the church or belittle beliefs or uh, demean things that our friends and family hold sacred. But What's, it's a place to speak frankly about concerns. You know, I, I've I've only been around uh, the NOM site for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, um, and I've seen you, Dave, um, take quite a quite a bit of grief and a lot of emotion towards you. Um, is it is it uh, overwhelming at times? Do you feel like is it worth it to continue on with this? Have you actually thought about leaving it? And I mean, because I know that uh, this kind of mindset, this cafeteria style style of mindset, is usually temporary. And it, do you feel like that this is also temporary, or do you kind of feel like that you you kind of settled in? Um. That's a good question, and, you know, it depends on when you catch me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought uh, many times that I was reaching a point in my life where I could move on and do something else. Uh, there have been times I thought that uh, being part of the bulletin board was almost an addiction, you know, a, a dopamine circuit in my brain, and maybe... It would be better for me to find a different uh, hobby. <laughs> uh, but uh, part of what keeps me there is the, the fellow that established it, that asked me to help moderate. Um, you know, he had a certain thing in mind to offer this middle way. And, and I think there's a lot more breadth in the middle way. I view it more as a wide and meandering river than as a as a set of railroad tracks. Um, even even when uh, I now read about the straight and narrow path uh, in scriptures, I don't think of that path as requiring individuals to walk single file lockstep. Um, so for me and New Order Mormons, I, I can't tell you. You know, there are days I think it's time for me to just sort of fade back into the background and go do something else with my family. Um, 
And there are times when I think, well, it's really part of my family. And, and in terms of grief, yeah, there's, I've had uh, good friends come through, people that uh, I thought I had helped kind of move forward in a way who have become uh, a little more confrontational later. But, you know, uh, I think we all have problems and disputes with family and friends. So I try not to take those things too personally. Uh, I should say I, I had an excellent role model in that I have an uncle who I watched. Uh, he, he was an uncle in some sense and a brother in others. I mentioned I was raised by my maternal grandparents, uh, and my mother was the oldest, and this uncle was one of the younger ones. Um, he returned from his mission, and I remember being irritated at how devout he was when he first returned from his mission. Um and then he gradually became more and more liberal, began reading Dialogue and Sunstone, which was a real source of grief for his mother, my grandmother and mother, as it were. Um, but he is still, uh, he, he's, he's an admitted agnostic, uh, but he participates within his ward and is known as a, a very generous, kind man, and, and he's the go-to guy for youth activities, um, and and he's pretty open about it. He doesn't believe it's the one true church, but he sure enjoys helping other people. Hey, Dave, I know that a lot of the websites I, I visit, um, which will be a believing member, and somebody will stumble across the Gnome website and start reading some of its content and staying involved in the posts, become pretty critical um, about one particular um, topic, and that's this, this idea of being deceptive about answering the temple recommend um, questions. And I know that's a regular topic that comes up, and it's deeply personal. But as, you know, nine years now, eight, nine years being involved in um, – in the board, how would you respond to those people who come and say that the the leading life of a nom is is deceptive to the to the temple recommend process? Um, that's a very good question, and for me, it's a matter of personal conscience. Um, that's a matter that's between the individual and uh, their God and their family. Um. Um, you know, uh, my father not being a member of the church and my mother, who was not an active member of the church in the sense required to get a temple recommend, um, neither of them was able to attend my wedding. And I had deeply mixed feelings about that at the time. And since that time, uh, I'm coming up on, uh, I had one child marry outside the temple, and I have another one who will be married in the temple this coming autumn. Uh, and I have pretty mixed feelings about not being able to attend. You know, that this is a good question because it, it, it does affect most people when they ask the question. I'm trying to think of what the questions are. Do you believe in the restoration? Do you believe in this, this, this? You know, the way I've dealt with it since I've, you know, been trying to change my beliefs into uh, a less literal and more of a figurative 
approach to make things work with the church, with me and my heart and my mind, is um, when I get asked those questions in the Temple Recommend interviews, I I often say, I do hope. I know that hope is a is a smaller value of faith. I do hope that Joseph Smith is who he claims he was. I have doubts that he is, but I do hope that he is, and I do hope such and such, such and such. That's to me that that's worked. At least the bishopric member who I was talking to, at least he let that slide. So, I mean, hope is different than faith. I think I do. I mean, even even the way I am now, I I deeply hope and and wish that the church was what it claims to be, because it would it would certainly make my life a lot better, <laughs> a lot easier. Um, and so that's kind of what I hold on to is that hope. Um, even though there's lots of times when I feel like that hope is nothing but, uh, the size of a hair. But, um, so yeah, I, I think that's one way to approach those questions. Oh, uh, and there are many ways I, I can remember saying, I feel he believed he was and a bishop letting it slide. Um, and, and you can look at it as playing semantic games, but I think part of it is most ward and stake leaders don't want to decline or take away a temple recommend. They want the member to participate, even if they may not hold orthodox beliefs. Uh, some do it because I, I feel, I could be wrong, that they don't want to deny the member the chance to participate with in family rituals, some perhaps in the hopes that by going through the ritual experience, people will be more moved to come back to greater orthodoxy. But I think that there are fewer uh, who, who, I think there are more that want to be a pump to move people through than people who want to be guardians of the gate or a filter to stop people from participating. Yeah, I agree. What, what do you think about this criticism that uh, this kind of mindset is uh, probably the greatest threat to the church? Because, like you said, cafeteria Mormons or New Order Mormons are like wolves in sheep's clothing, that they're actually more destructive than the outsiders, the ex-Mormons or the people that are holding signs, you know, or whatever, they they feel that uh, this type of mindset, this cafeteria-style mindset, is actually more destructive to the church as a whole, or at least to the believing members. What do you think about that? Uh, I really don't agree. Um, I can understand the interpretation, but I view the church fundamentally as a community, an affinity community, people who share uh, some degree of belief, some degree of hope, some degree of sense that by being together for service, we can make the world a better place. And I don't think that if, if, if I'm working at a homeless shelter on a church project, I don't care if the person standing next to me is orthodox or not. Um, is it a threat to the church? I think it's only a threat to those who hold a near fundamentalist belief. Uh, I think it's less a threat to the body of the church than it is to 
those that feel strongly uh, that there's a need for doctrinal purity and, and purity of faith. I think in some ways uh, one could hold the opposite argument that, that people who hold too strict a view are dangerous to the church. To me, the message of Jesus was love. Love your neighbor, forgive. Do you find it uh, difficult at times? Because you've, you've mentioned that you've waned one side or the other while we're walking this tightrope of sorts in this, in this kind of mindset. Do you find it difficult when you start to lean the other direction to, to try to stay positive um, and to continue and try to make try to point out the good things about the church or reasons why the church is a good thing? Oh, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, the whole Proposition 8 debacle was very difficult for me. Um, I was extremely grateful not to be living in the state of California. Agreed. <laughs> uh, uh, and there are times, you know, there are times when uh, people say things that strike me as just boneheaded and counterproductive and unchristian, but I've seen the same thing. I, I, I like to visit other faith communities and churches, and I, I really haven't seen one that struck me as being perfect. I don't think people or human communities can be perfect or are perfect. So, yeah, I, I go through phases where I think this is really stupid. How can people believe this? Uh, I hear... I hear testimonies and talks and sacrament meeting where I have to kind of find another place to go. Um, and, and it does take effort, I think, to to try and find the gold among the dross or that may be <laughs> too harsh an analogy. But I, I, I ask that because uh, the other panel members, you know, Jim and, and Niall and John and those guys, I, I got to find more creative ways to get them a little more positive toward the church sometimes. So, well, and and it, and it is understandable. I mean, it, I think in in many ways human beings have a, a quality uh, characteristic where they want to be in a group, and once they're in a group, they identify with that group, and every other group is not their group. You know, we're us, and they're them, and. Uh, they're wrong and we're right. And, and that, that whole, I think it's natural, but it disturbs me because I think there is something to be gained by trying to sort out what works, what's viable and what's good. I mean, why it, groups form for various reasons. And if you can figure out the reason and the underlying motivation and find the, the agents that bind, there may be something good in there at least it works for other people um i i guess i've reached the point where I, I it's a live and let live situation i i don't attend often i don't believe but i can see that it can be a good thing for youth it can be a good thing for adults in certain contexts you know to that to that point um this black and white thinking that we've talked about um, and that is brought up a lot. Um, when I went through my my little crisis, I, I it took a lot for me to try to think differently 
that it wasn't one way or the other. You know, that if you started to have doubts about the church, that you had to leave. That was your only option. Um, it was tough. It, it really, it kind of felt like I was putting my head in a press because I was trying to redesign and reorganize my thoughts um, to think that, you know, there's more to it than just um, you leave or you don't. If, you know, if you find stuff wrong, then that's it. And there's good and bad instead of there's lots of shades of gray. It, it's a difficult thing, I think. And I don't... I don't know if I want to blame the church and its teachings for that. It, I think I take quite a bit of responsibility for that kind of thinking, but because I know that I've met a lot of people that don't have that problem of thinking um, in many shades of gray or whatever. But for me, it it literally was extremely difficult, and I still struggle with it. There's still times when I think, you know, just put the hammer down, and that's it. There's it's oh, black uh, and white. I Definitely, I agree. I think, but I think that's a human uh, trait, not necessarily a Mormon trait. Uh, I have friends. I, I I had a friend who uh, devout Catholic, and he boy he he firmly believed in uh, Peter and apostolic succession and uh, the continuing authority granted by Jesus, uh, regardless. Hey Dave, the one area I wanted to kind of explore with you a little bit is is some uh, some behind the scenes stuff. I know a lot of the the folks who may come and listen to this this podcast are, are possibly members of the NOM board, and I'd like to get a sense for some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Some of the things that, and, and hopefully you got some crazy stories or um, some interesting things that that maybe the moderators deal with, or or maybe um, emails you get from either side of the spectrum on this that. We don't ever see or hear about on the boards, but you have to kind of deal with as a moderator. Do you have any experiences uh, like that? Oh, I have lots, but most of them I can't really talk about to uh, protect the confidentiality of some people who are still there or have been there. Of course. Uh, I, I can talk about, I get periodically, um, I, I get the email directed toward the board and uh I periodically get calls to repentance um, from believers, from active members of the church. Uh, I've got an email that I've tracked back to some um, institutes, you know, CES sites, and some just from disgruntled uh, individuals who say that, you know, uh, just why don't you just shut it down because you're fighting God's truth and you can't. You, are, you guys are all going to go to hell or uh, come back to the fold. Um, I, we also get emails from uh, ex-Mormons who uh, call us. You guys are just a bunch of cowards. Why don't you just admit that it's it's just all false and, and uh, bad stuff or you're working for Satan if you belong to the Mormon church? So you get um, it. You get the hate mail from both sides. When, when you, I get the hate mail from both sides, and then you know I also get email. Uh, a lot of people who are just grateful that we're there, um, because the, I think they've gone through a process similar to what I have gone through and what you may have gone through, where it's like, how do I deal with this? Uh, where can I talk to somebody about my concerns without disavowing my Mormon heritage or? saying that everyone in my family is 
an idiot or corrupt. Um, in terms of what goes on with people on the board, you know, if, if you're a mother or father, you've seen it. If you've worked in, in at, at jobs or in community organizations, you've seen it. People get upset over a variety of different things. Um, it happens in my family. Kids get upset with each other over what may seem inconsequential. Um, and, and we get some of that on the board where people get upset um, and, and contact one or more of the moderators. But that's why we have moderators. And, you know, it, while sometimes it's, it's just a matter of listening to people and, and trying to uh, address their concerns. Uh, when, you know, uh, among people on the board, we usually try to do that and encourage people to reconcile and not take things too personally in, in terms of the, uh, the stuff that comes in calling us either apostates or uh, pandering to the church. Um, I gave up trying to deal with that a long time ago. I, I can remember in the last couple of years, maybe the last 18 months, I've gotten a couple of uh, kind of vitriolic pieces from believers. Uh, and I've asked the other moderators, you know, do you want to do anything about this email? And the consensus has usually been, they don't want to hear, you know. <laughs> what they want to hear is, yeah, you're right, we're going to close down the board and I'll go back to church. <laughs> Now, some people, we actually had a guy who posted on the board for about a year and then left the church, and he used to come around once a year during the holiday season pretty much and say, you're all a bunch of cowards and sissies and you lack integrity. You should just resign and call the church evil. Um, okay. Uh, I, I guess a lot of it now I just look at and say, okay, um, you, you've said your piece. Thank you very much. And I, I usually don't respond anymore because, you know, I, I you can't really explain. And, and there are times that you shouldn't explain because your friends who care about you don't need an explanation. And the people who don't care about you aren't going to buy any explanation you give. Have you, have you or the board ever been contacted from someone in an official stance from the church, like a general authority or someone higher up or anything? Um, we had one incident where a person posted uh, what they thought felt was an expose of a mishandling of a case by the church, and we were contacted by uh, church attorneys, I believe, representing the church, or that's what they represented themselves as, asking us to remove the story. Uh, because the matter might be in litigation, and we asked the poster just to uh, change it or take it down. That's the only incident I can remember. We have had, I, I suspect we've had lurkers, but I think most of them have been self-appointed vigilantes. We've had uh, posters at BYU who have been approached and cautioned not to use public computers to access our board. 
Um, so, Dave, I guess one of the questions I would have for you is to the fact of whether the board is ever being monitored by anybody um, in an official capacity or just watched. Because I know that question comes up on an occasional basis on the in the forum itself. Have you ever seen anything like that going on? Um, in terms of objective evidence, no. Uh, I, I, I couldn't prove one way or the other. Like, as I said before, I, I suspect that we have lurkers who are devout and concerned about the well-being of the people who post on the board, but uh, I don't know of any official institutional action. I don't know that they have the time or interest, and if they do, I guess I'm flattered. I know that there's often been a lot of uh, a lot of attention paid to this whole thing of, of le- having a forum, and I'm not talking a, a computer forum or internet forum like this, but just having somewhere for people to go ask questions and have these kind of doubts, because there really exists no no function like that within the church other than to talk to your local leaders, and a lot of times local leaders, as we've all found, don't know. The issues they they've never encountered these things for themselves, so they they may not have the the answers. And so I I think uh, having a, a space like this that's uh, that's just where you can get reasonable, thought out um, answers to questions about church history and doctrine is is a wonderful thing. Well, thank you. I I think that that that's why New Order Mormons exists give people uh, a forum and a community where they can ask certain questions without fear of reprisal or being labeled. Um, you know, it's, it's in, in a world where people feel you have to be hot or cold and for us or against us, uh, it, it's really tough to say, oh, I, I have some concerns and I'm not necessarily for or against. I think that I think this is a good this is a good place to start wrapping it up but I did want to say that uh that I think it's important to reiterate what Dave you said earlier <clears throat> that there's lots of there's lots of people that slot um in different areas uh, everyone's in a different transition everybody ends up in a different path or in a different destination that uh there's even room for people to stay in the church <laughs> that there's there's room for those of us that that uh, hold the church in a different regard than others, and I think that's important to to recognize. And I also think that it's important to to note that for most, it seems that uh, this this kind of mindset may in fact just be a temporary stay. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a maybe this is where it's going to be from now on. I don't know. But do you have uh, I re- well? For me, I, I really appreciate you joining with us, Dave. And do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Uh, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> that's uh, good. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I guess for me, I, I would just urge people to uh, lighten up in terms of, uh, I believe there is more, that there are more than two alternatives. I think the real world is not digital. It's not a yes or no, black and white, true or false situation. It's analog. There's, there's a whole lot of points in between the positions of 
it's false and wrong and it's absolutely true and you should follow it without blinking or thinking. Um, I think there's room in, in a community or there should be room for all kinds of people. Uh, I have friends in other faiths. I have friends who are atheists. I have friends who are evangelical atheists. Uh, I have friends who belong to different political parties and hold different views than I do. Uh, I don't obsess a whole lot about getting them to believe the same way I do on every point. And uh, I think that we, for me, that's the key. Be eclectic and say, whatever works for you, as long as it's not harming other people, great. What about you, George? Any any final thoughts? No, I, I think this is great. I, I uh, you know, I think I've, Dave probably knows where I'm coming from with the with the complimentary tone that we that uh, that I would have for the board and for the moderation services that go there. It's just a it's a wonderful place to kind of find a home and find a family and of people who uh, uh, are always civil. I uh, I like the fact that on Nam um, rarely do you ever get slammed for saying something off the wall. You can come in there and have a, a pretty uh, pretty strong opinion. Um, about a topic, and rarely do you ever um, get get hit really hard for that with people saying, you know, you're an idiot or something like that. And and I think a lot of that goes to the moderators and the folks that are there. It's it's uh, been a great community, and I'm glad it uh, I'm glad it's there, and I'm glad you kept uh, kept it running for enough years for me to join it. So. Oh. Thank you. I think I think it's reached a point where it's largely self-selecting. I mean, and, and it's interesting to me. We've had schisms. And, you know, we have a couple of boards that I consider sibling boards, and I still have a great deal of affection for people in the other communities who who uh, may feel that you know New Order Mormon is too muted and too restrictive. Um, but that's okay. You know, what what works for them is. Is great, and I uh, I know that there are people who uh, are amphibious or live in both worlds, uh, or you know more than two, and that's that's fine too because I don't think any one group is going to fill all those needs or provide the kind of interaction that many individuals need. All right, well, thanks, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Pleasure talking to you. I have a a lot of respect for Mormon expressions, and I hope to see the project go on. Thanks to our regular panelists, George and Tom, and our special guest, Dave, for their podcast today. If you also would like to record your own special podcast, drop me a line at mormonexpression.com, and uh, we'll see what we can work out. Remember, the discussion continues at mormonexpression.com. Check out our blog there for links to the information discussed and to continue the discussion you can also call 801-906-6722 our music is provided by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com <laughs>